0: So, uh, do you see that terrible job that Wesley was putting in in engineering earlier?
1: Yeah, he didn't even have that magnet calibrator properly. Couldn't he
0: even defocus a manifold? No,
1: no, absolutely what not. What's on his mind? Yeah, something's messing up with him. Yeah. Geordie can't say anything, can no. Because he's distracted all the time. Yeah. So, but you need leadership in a situation like that.
0: All I'm saying is, if you're going to be a 15 year old working in engineering, you got to
1: be focused. Yeah. All right. It's a highly unstable antimatter matter reactor that could yeah. wipe out all life on this ship in an instant.
0: And if we're going to let the kids touch it,
1: yeah. <laughs> I, but I mean, you've got to understand, like as I was told the other day by Riker, a Starfleet officer's first duty is to their cock. Yeah. Uh, so let them have at it, I suppose. Or or uh, the
0: Starfleet officer's a Starfleet captain's second duty. Uh, is to keep the uh, son of the woman that you fancy on board. Yeah, uh, just you know, even if she takes a leave of absence, you you got to keep him on side because at the but, end of the day, she's
1: always going to like him more than you. I don't want to call it emotional blackmail, no, nah. um, because I know Picard checks the security logs. Yeah, but if if he if he didn't do that, I would call it that. A Frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Captain Slug. Its ongoing mission to explore strange new episodes, to seek out new jokes and new references, to split infinitives that no one has split before. slog stardate 35 these are the continued voyages of eddie edwards and mark o'neill this time in the same room wow yeah special occasion for the 20 or so people who listen to this which includes mark and both our girlfriends <laughs> yeah I, I do listen to this i i listen to every episode um, yeah i listen to it while editing it at 1.5 speed so i regularly forget what both of us sound like because <laughs> I, 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 I don't listen to it I put it up to 1.5 and it's like uh, the chipmunks
0: <laughs> I don't even really know I, I just genuinely just really like the sound of my own voice that's my being yeah I just like listening back to
1: it and going I am funny <laughs> <laughs> see if I, I know if I listen to it back I'd be like oh I'm not as funny as I think <laughs>
0: yeah you've got to defeat that attitude, mate. <laughs> you've got to shapeshift that attitude. Yeah. You've got to elastomorph.
1: Elas- elazomorph, yeah. that attitude. So anyway, yeah, since we last recorded, we've both actually been up to quite a lot of stuff. So, yeah, how was Corfu? Uh,
0: yeah, it's fine. Uh, it, it's still there. Um, <laughs> it's uh, mountainous.
1: Is it? Yeah. I've never done Corfu. I... Which is
0: weird, because Corfu is largely associated, as far as I'm aware, with dolphins. Dolphins live in the opposite of mountains <laughs> The Mariana Trench
1: <laughs> I didn't say dolphins don't live in the Mariana Trench but what all I can say from a scientific perspective is as far as we currently know, no dolphins have been discovered in the Mariana Trench. It's entirely possible. yeah because have you heard the theory that there's an extra secret trench? who's keeping it secret? <laughs> right so there's like a layer of like brine. Like so, at the at the bottom of the ocean, you can get lakes, yes, of like really like salty deposits, and there's some of that at the bottom of the Mariana Trench. But there's a theory that some people have, which is that we've not been able to penetrate that, which is that that might lead to another larger, like like bigger undersea thing. It's part of like the same theory as the Hollow Earth theory, which is one of my favourite batch of yeah. conspiracy theories. It's like when your conspiracy theory is the sort of conspiracy theory that the people making a Godzilla movie go, oh that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you know it's off the fucking grid. I have a lot of issues with the uh, with the
0: Mariana trench. And I'm and I'm and I'm, and I'm gonna make them known. It's about um, time someone did. <laughs> put it right in its place, which is at the bottom of the sea where it belongs. Um a lot of people give it why why are we exploring space? Why are we spending so much money on space? We could be going down the bottom of the Mariana trench and finding out what's there. What are we gonna find?
1: It's just gonna be fish. Yeah it's, not, exactly. yeah. it's
0: not like We're not gonna we're not gonna find the fish that is the cure for cancer. What if there's a plug? Take <laughs> it out. What if there's a button that turns
1: on the bubbles? <laughs> No, wait, for, wait I, I would love if, like, you get if after you know, all of this time we've spent trying to explore the solar system, somebody does get to the the very, very bottom of the the like Mariana Trench. It's just a door. And it opens up, it's like level two.
0: What if? <laughs> what if we get to Titan on Saturn uh, on one of the moons of Saturn, and there's just another Mariana Trench? <laughs> That's gonna make us look quite a fool. Because that that I guess would be like if God was a video game designer. Um,
1: which he hasn't because jumping is useless yeah there's full damage if, yeah. if God was real there wouldn't be that no um. and, and,
0: and my, my carrying capacity is laughable <laughs> um, yeah he, what if they did that and, and, and God was like just the Mariana Trench is where the not, not the level 2 door but that's where the the gold crown if it like was what's a video game thing. I play a lot of video
1: games. I can't <laughs> think of something off the top of my head. What, what if it was like so? Okay, three shells. Have you ever played Frog Fractions? No. Right. Okay. So Frog Fractions is a fun little maths game where you're a frog on a pad and you've got to, like shoot out your tongue and grab numbers to like make things like add up. Right. Except in an existential way. Well, no, it's to like make in, things add up. Well, that's the we, thing. First of all, you think. Where does like, the money on a train? what's you, at the bottom? So you think it's maths and then you realise very quickly that it doesn't matter at all what numbers you get and it's it's only after a while that you discover that you can move the frog left and right, and once you can do that you realise you can go off of the edge of the the lily pad and go underneath and there's just all the points you need to reach the level where you unlock the jetpack okay, and all I want to say is, that's how Frog Faction starts by the end of it, you are the president of Mars (laughs) the game is like a simulation in which you're doing resource management to like sell porn, uh, yeah. and and then the guy who made it like did an amazing thing, which is he said he did a Kickstarter for Frog Fractions Two, and then he, he as part of the Kickstarter was, I will not announce when Frog Fractions Two is out. A game will be released, and if somebody directly asks me, is this game Frog Fractions Two, and it is correct, I will confirm that it is Frog Fractions Two. Uh, and after about like six, seven months uh, like, like, after, I think it was about two years he suddenly goes yeah I released it like a month ago and nobody really this it and then somebody found a, like a for like a fairy village simulator called Glittermitten Grove and it was like if you dig down in the bottom left corner as far down as you can go, there's a door, and you open the door, and, from, and then through the door is Frog Fractions. <laughs> <laughs> now, if that if God was that sort of game designer, I quite like the idea that you open up the bottom of the marriage Church and you pop out and you dump done Titan. Have you uh,
0: have you heard of Venny's existential nightmare? No. <laughs> uh, right. So do you know the YouTuber and comedian Stuart Ashens?
1: Oh, I know Ashins, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Ashins
0: is a, he's a very famous YouTuber. He's, he's a bit of a kind of a absurdist comedian. Uh, he he has the easiest job on YouTube. He literally buys things yeah. from the pound shop and reviews them. And he makes serious bank. Yeah. Um, now, he is very talented and he's a very, very, very funny man. Um, but he done a pilot for the BBC, <laughs> uh, which was, I think it was called something like Ashins Video Game History. Right, okay. And he was uh, a a video game historian talking about three video games from the 80s, from the 8-bit Commodore 64 era, that don't really exist. (laughs) But he made mock-ups of them. And one of them is a game called Vinny's Existential Nightmare, um, where (laughs) you're a cartoon mouse, right, in just a box that you can move around in a couple of squares. Um, and it says, you put it up and it says, press start to begin. And as soon as you press start, it says, your actions have doomed Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't just, there's nothing else on the screen. There's quite a lot of empty screen that Vinny's stuck in the box. And there's no way to get out of the box. And after a while, Vinny starts to panic and move on his own. And then and then he just sort of keels over and dies. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. I I want to play Vinny's existential. Class. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh,
0: yeah. Speaking of existential
1: nightmares. Yeah. Fucking. Uh, so yeah. What's this episode called again? The dolphin. Oh. The dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> right. The dophin. Yeah. Right. It's not a good one. No. No. The entire plot of the episode is. The, the, the Enterprise beams up two people. They look like they're from Shakespeare in the park. They turn out to be shapeshifters. we got a fun little Ewok. And yeah. then they leave. And Worf is definitely horny for the old woman shapeshifter, who he considers a worthy adversary.
0: And uh, about five minutes into it, Troy basically sets out what's happening and no one listens to him.
1: Yeah, yeah. She does exactly, she's like, they're not, they're not, it's not their intentions. they're not who they seem to be and also it's like oh there could be a shapeshifter and they're all like oh that's mental as if that's not the plot of like six separate episodes of the original (laughs) series and a key part of is it Star Trek four or six when they get the what's the undiscovered country is that five five yeah five yeah where there's the really hot woman who seduces Kirk and then it turns out she's a shapeshifter I haven't seen that one the only Star Trek
0: original series movies I've ever seen are the other like Trilogy, so oh. two, three, and four. Okay, yeah. And I don't yeah. even think I've seen four all the way through. <laughs> I think I started watching. It. I had it on DVD. I think I started
1: watching it and then never finished it. And then I've just pieced it together from clips I've seen. We watched YouTube. Rafa Khan and Emma uh, the other day. And she'd never seen it before. Yeah. She got to the end and she was like, "Spock can't be dead." <laughs> I was like, "Well, you'll find out more in the uh, the next movie." She yeah. Goes, What's the next one? I go, uh, Star Trek, The Search for Spock. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> kind of a giveaway of the plot. Yeah.
0: And the, the original working <laughs> title was called uh, Star Trek Burying the Leap.
1: <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, so the entire plot of this episode is, like I say, um, Wesley falls in love with a shapeshifter and then breaks up with her because she's a shapeshifter. And I just want to say, like, I, I, I love Emma. I love it a bit. She's the most important thing in my life. And the only way she could be improved as a woman would be if she could take the form of any woman.
0: <laughs> Same for Laura. The only way that Laura could be improved is if she could become a sort of alf like
1: Yeah, those are the two forms that they could take. It's oh she goes, oh yeah, and she's got a oh, whole my true form is unimaginable to you. It's just glowy lights. Uh, <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, I I mean we're skipping over quite a bit of plot here.
1: Uh, but Ollie? She,
0: she, doesn't yet, <laughs> she, she doesn't think... What's her name? Uh, oh,
1: Salea and Anya.
0: Solea. uh doesn't think that Wesley... Like she, You find out that she is a shapeshifter, and as she's about to beam off, she says, can you leave the room because I have to turn into my true form, which I don't think you're going to enjoy. Um, but her true, her true form is just a big floppy condom full of loop. and <laughs> That's funny because that's that's exa- that's Wesley's favourite thing on uh, <laughs> my Friday evening. Um, we, oh, uh, just as I as I looked at my notes there, we this is a bit it doesn't really go anywhere, but we uh, we out a little bit of um, Star Trek medical admin. Oh yeah. this week because Laura's always asked how come no one wears a mask when they're dealing with. Diseases or anything, yeah. And apparently, it's because all of the air on the Enterprise is filtered at all times. Yeah. Great.
1: Yeah, great. Yeah, because um, the 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 Anya is the bodyguard of Sela, who's like some. It's it's a, such a bullshit. She's like the there's a there's a planet where it doesn't. Like it only orbits the it spins once per orbit, so one side is day all the time but one side is night all the it's time. Which is geosynchronous.
0: geosynchronicity is the actual yeah. astrological term for that. But it's It's why the moon never changes.
1: Yeah. But that is a fascinating idea for a planet that you visit like night and dark and they're like fighting each other over resources. But no, we don't we don't even see that. Nah. In fact when they get to the planet it's so exactly the same as the planet. That they started off on that. I'm pretty certain that the view screen is the same bit of footage. Yeah. And, and um yeah, um the she wants to, like there's Annie's the bodyguard and she wants to protect her. And she literally is like, there's a sick person on board the ship. Soleya could get sick, kill that patient now. <laughs> and Pulaski's like, I'm not killing a white man. Uh some <laughs> <laughs> white straight cis boy. I'm not I'm not touching him. Nah. Absolutely not. The golden child.
0: <laughs> I put a nice silver blanket on him just to make sure that he's alright.
1: But one thing I do love in this episode is that when the protector, the bodyguard, who's got some strong Merlin energy coming off of her. Yeah. Um, turns into a giant like monster and tries to attack Worf. Worf is like, oh, like a bit taken aback by it. But the <laughs> moment she turns back into a little old woman, Wolf wants to punch her. Yeah.
0: <laughs> There's also some uh... I I too did a note here that something that really made me laugh. There is some absolutely spectacular uh, what's known as tennis ball acting. Oh, yes. So if you are not into the kind of um, the minutia of generally television, sometimes movies as well uh, production if there is a character who is entirely CGI generally what the production will do is literally have a tennis ball on the end of a stick, which is to give the actors something to look at so that they will all be looking at the same place so that then the animators can put the eye line of the CGI creature in. Uh, they didn't do that with Worf. Uh, <laughs> Michael Don is just looking wherever he feels like.
1: Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's a very brief bit of CGI before yeah. it's a tall person in a... Fucking furry costume.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the uh, particularly in the at the end of the episode, uh, the Anya turns into a big scary monster. Yeah, and it's they just reuse some Chewbacca sounds. Yeah, but they just slightly altered the pitch.
1: Yeah, There's a, the list of forms for for Salaya is mainly her human form, big furry monster, condom full of glowing leather. and then Anya goes. Little old lady, stunningly beautiful blonde <laughs> ewok, something too small to be seen by the crew so she can escape from her qu- qu- quarters giant furry monster, um which is a limited range, yeah, but then if you've lived on a planet where like they're the only people on that planet they've been hiding, <laughs> so I don't know to what degree like they've seen things, yeah, because I would personally think that the best thing to do with your time in a situation like that would have been, like, just have a book of animals.
0: Yeah, because yeah, Selina, she, she brings it up. She's like... Mm-hmm. So, right, so, the, so the reason that she was on some randall planet is that she is the daughter... Of both royal families. Of both royal families, and presumably she will bring everyone together. But they didn't want anyone to assassinate that kid. So they took her to live on an empty planet Yeah, for... 16 17 years, yeah, and she said the only thing that we could do there was the only thing I could do there was study, yeah. So, why isn't she turning in like a fun leopard or something?
1: <laughs> also, I love the fact that they do the whole bit at the beginning is like, What species are you? and Picard's like human rather than saying, Well, the Federation represents a broad swath yeah. of civilizations, there's many of us on board, it's just as human again, uh, and Android. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the doctor doesn't enjoy that, but. <laughs> But he says human, and they're like, "Oh, good." Yeah. And then they beam up, and, and they're human, and it's like, you. And then, and then on board, she's like, "I was like, oh, maybe they don't know what the Federation is." But then they know loads of information about like how warp cores work and shit and stuff. Like it's like, well, you know what the Federation is. You could have beamed up as fucking anything, and it would have been broadly speaking fine. The only thing you shouldn't have turned up is that tar monster that killed Tasha. Yeah. Then they might have been like, oh, fuck!" But <laughs> other than that, they're pretty inclusive. You could, uh, you could have been up as... Um, a, a centaur. Something for O'Brien to do in this episode. <laughs> O'Brien Watch. Because he's in this episode. Oh, yeah, he's in this episode. He, the he, back of his head. He, yeah, he beams some men, people in. Beams some people out. That's it.
0: Gets a full credit. Yeah. He gets royalties for this episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, he does. I don't think he has a line. No? No. It's just he's standing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he still gets... and it, But he still is he billed above Pulaski who goes Pulaski's still getting her special appearance by yeah. thing which no, is no
0: O'Brien isn't until the end credits
1: ok right now one thing I do like in this is that the, the girl comes on board Wesley sees her and is immediately like oh I'm in love at first sight despite knowing nothing about the girl's personality so Wesley just cares about looks uh, and, and and Riker is immediately like don't do it Wes she's she's a ruler she's got two common... it's like Riker yeah. Of all people who are saying, Riker has slept with, I think, four separate leaders of planetary civilizations. Yeah, but what he was
0: really saying was, listen, Liz, I've fucked a 16-year-old before, and <laughs> what do you talk to them about afterwards? Do you know I mean? Who's your favourite Pokemon? It'll make you feel old.
1: <laughs> you don't want to do it. Jesus Christ, how many Pokemon must there be by the time Star Trek rolls around? Because there's like they're up to like six hundred now. They're,
0: they're at nearly a <laughs> thousand.
1: I, I, I think they're at eight hundred. Because people
0: um, people complain that in in the new games you don't get every Pokemon.
1: Yeah, I know. Ekans wasn't in there. Yeah, um, which I mainly know because James Stephanie Sterling flipped out about it because it's their favourite Pokemon. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I remember that. And, uh, but
0: also the the, the the Nintendo Switch doesn't have the computing power to <laughs>
1: compute
0: that many Pokemon. Yeah.
1: But <laughs> the holodeck must do. But then there are, there are there are Pokemon that are literal gods. Yeah. If you if you ever want to read some batshit lore, the Pokédex is full of like like Growlithe's like Flame Burst is like they give like the the like temperature that it can reach and it's like two degrees lower than the temperature of the surface of the sun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> some of them are fucking dark.
1: Yeah. As well. Yeah. Um, like one, some of the ghost Pokemon are like literally like children who die by drowning specifically. Yeah. <laughs> it's like become this Pokemon. What? <laughs> there's
0: there's a, there's a Pokemon that appears because uh, like the creation of Pokemon is really easy. All you have to do is look at our thing, pick a random thing. Yeah. That you walk into a friend's living room, pick a random thing, make a cute version of that. right? Yeah. And then. Come up with the mo- the, fuck- the most fucked up <laughs> stuff you can imagine. There's a Pokemon who looks like another Pokemon wearing a Pikachu costume.
1: Right. Okay.
0: And I think the lore of that is if you ever see the Pokemon under the costume, you will immediately die.
1: <laughs> There's. I know that. Who's cute- making those costumes? <laughs> Is it just the skin of a of Pikachu. Yeah, it's the first, the first, just by fluke, the first Pokemon thing any of those ones I've ever seen is a Pikachu. Yeah, and it dies and I laugh. Like, oh, I don't want that. To have <laughs> Better pull its skin on. <laughs> I, know, I know Cubone wears the skull of its mother. Yeah, which is like real fucking dark, and it's like and is constantly sad. It's yeah, like fucking the Batman of Pokemon. <laughs> and then Cubone
0: evolves into Marowak.
1: Yeah, which is the skull. That it's wearing. Yeah.
0: So then, do all cubones give birth? Do all marowaks then give birth to another cubone, and
1: then die? Well, octopuses die. Like they use all of their energy to fertilise their eggs, which is why, despite their incredible intelligence, octopuses have yet to build a functioning society that can rival man. Um, Yeah. Also, (laughs) they produce so much ink, and yet I've never read a book written by an octopus. (laughs) And they should be the output. Yeah. They should be able to knock out like eight books at once
0: <laughs> no that's not fair because you can't write two books at once at your two they should okay, only be you can able to write four, write four books. books yeah okay that's fair yeah. <laughs> apart from the octopuses who are left-handed because uh, they smudge it um, did you know that octopuses have six arms and two legs
1: Uh, and uh, um, one of those arms is also a penis Nice! (laughs) But which one? We'll never
0: know! No,
1: yeah, I imagine that if octopuses had evolved to a human like level, their Me Too movement would have been horrendous. It's like, well, I thought shaking his (laughs) hand.
0: I uh, I ate octopus
1: for the first time in Corfu.
0: Oh, did you? It was uh... fried. Any good?
1: Yeah. Okay. It was
0: nice. You're a vegetarian. What are you gonna do with that information? Yeah, I
1: don't. I'm not. I don't. I don't. I don't care what other people do. Yeah, it's like it's like I'm not. It's fine. No, it was, like, it was you, quite nice.
0: But you can you can taste the texture on the suckers though.
1: Yeah, and that's. I mean, I will. I will say, I I I, I don't give a fuck what people eat. That completely unrelated to that. The scene in the boys where Homelander makes. The deep eat the octopus is one of the most horrifying moments in the entire show. I know it doesn't seem as horrific as some other stuff, but when you think of what the, the, the deep can hear the octopus begging for their life. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man.
0: Um, it, is there any animal that, even as a vegetarian... If you had the option to hear it begging for its life, you would be more likely to eat it.
1: <laughs> so, like, is there an animal that I personally think deserves to die? I um, wish. If, so, the thing about animals is yeah. I, I don't make the right to eat them because I don't... I think Here's the deal. Eat people. They've probably done something to deserve it. Yeah. Animals are creatures. of interest. So, if an animal did have the intelligence to, like, communicate with me and, yeah. like, could hold a conversation, then I would assume... That just by having that level of intellect, at some point, it had done something that was worthy of its death. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like, I oh, know octopuses just like twat fish for no reason. Like, if a fish goes by, they just get them out of spite. Uh, so, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he, if he maybe also, if you can find me like, oh, I don't know, a racist zebra. Like a zebra who's like, well, that zebra over there has got is black with white stripes. Fuck it. Then I eat that <laughs> black with white stripes. White matter. Way <laughs> What animal do
0: you think is the most likely
1: to be racist? Uh, oh. See, now this is. I, you see, I think, I think it's going to be. I think the panda. No. No, yeah, I mean, there's got to be some reason why God's decided they should die. <laughs>
0: Pandas, legit, my favourite animal.
1: Oh, they're worthless. They're, well, they're, they're not, not worth it. They're called the the what's the term? Charismatic megafauna, which is like <laughs> that's that's what they're called. So it's like the other is that like people want to protect the panda, yeah. so you you make loads of money from like selling like people like pandas, keep them alive, and then you preserve the bamboo forest in which like loads of like rare insects and shit that nobody gives a fuck about lives. And it's like oh, we kept all this forest safe for the pandas. So yeah, like it's like blue whales are uh, they're, they're nice, but by keeping them safe. You have to protect, like, algae. And algae's really important for everything else in the sea. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a, yeah, it was a weird thing. Like I found out that term, like, a few years ago, charismatic megafauna.
0: Charismatic megafauna is the name of my first rap album. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you're going to release a, a rap album like that, you must do it under the rap name either the Rhymenoceros or the Hip-Hop Apodomus. <laughs> uh, did
0: you know that um, whales? Uh now, <laughs> this is a uh, this is a fact that I have put together from various different sources. Okay. That I've glanced at on Reddit and Wikipedia. Okay. But whales uh, are quite the like. Obviously, whales used to be land animals. Yeah. Land whales. Yeah. As they called them, at the time, and they went back into the ocean, and then they became sea whales. Yeah. They were actually quite close they were just giant rats like whales if i if i remember the fact that i basically made up <laughs> properly yeah um the closest thing that you will find out there to a whale is a rat right okay. they're more closely related to rats than dolphins okay
1: that's that's i can buy that that sounds yeah. a, that sounds plausible yeah
0: because if you, look, if you if you take a rat, right, do do it now. Pause, pause the podcast and <laughs> get a rat.
1: Yeah. Put it in the ocean. Wait a billion years. <laughs> yeah, wait a billion years.
0: See how big it gets.
1: Do you know about evil whales? Uh, so, right, okay. What colour are they? No. <laughs> <laughs> right, so... Um, The people of Iceland, um, like, you know, they've got like the weird mythology where like they all believe in like fairies and stuff like that. Yeah. So elves. Yeah, elves, not fairies. Because
0: we have a few Icelandic
1: And I'm I'm not going to, I'm not going to disparage them. No. Yeah. So they like elves. Um, Right. But they also have in their mythology that Um, there are like six other species of evil whale that like you can't say their name because if you say it out loud, they'll come for your boat. And like they've got like sore faces that they'll cut your boat in half with and shit like that. Um, it's yeah, they they like they know like six or seven. It's all part of like Icelandic folklore. Yeah, I read. I I, I know this because I read about it while I was in the penis museum <laughs> uh, because they were talking about how they only have the the penises of the good whales. Yeah, it's <laughs> like I was like what? I was like yeah, we've not. Nobody's ever captured the evil whales because no, no, only the people of Iceland know their names and they're not saying it out loud so they don't get summoned. Yeah. So they're all, I imagine, down the bottom of the Marianas Trench.
0: Do you ever, um, you know the way that, uh, sea animals, water yeah. animals, um, w- animals w- animals. you know the way that, like, saltfish and sawfish, yeah, and the evil sawfish whale, yeah, you know the way they, all, they always, um, Evolve weapons on their faces yeah do you think they look at us like we're
1: the idiots (laughs) well here's my thing right here's my thing how does a swordfish launch a surprise attack right okay like for example I think we'll all agree one of the greatest tactical moves in history is that time John McClane takes a gun to his back yeah right which a swordfish can't do a swordfish can't turn up without its nose on and the other swordfish be like well, oh, like if they're having like a gangster right. meeting yeah. and like having a meet up between the swordfish and the sawfish gang like with like the swordfish comes in and the swordfish has not got its nose on and the swordfish has yeah. and the swordfish is like i thought we said no weapons
0: see the, the problem the reason that a sawfish, a swordfish can't do that though is is more that a swordfish doesn't have a back it's just two sides so it, <laughs> it would need to take the gun to one side of itself and then just rock up sideways like hey <laughs> hey jeff <laughs> So I uh, saw you went saw you down the pub the other day. I uh, you uh, talking to that um talk, talk to that hussy, the mm. <laughs> You know you you know you're my uh, sister's husband, right? <laughs> Bang! Okay.
1: Now I just want to watch a swordfish gangster movie. And, and I'm going to say this right: if, if anybody listening to this is 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 upset that we're not discussing the episode enough, this episode is so boring that I have literally got in my notes. Uh, who decided what bowls everything gets served in the replicator like (laughs) that was like that was like the the deep that's how bored I was that's a good question because it's like they serve like chocolate mousse and it's like in a big glass bowl with like a curvy thing
0: on it and I was like oh here's another thing that I wrote down Uh, so Wesley takes uh, uh, Celia to um, 10 forward yeah to broaden her horizons um, because he says I'm going to get you some chocolate and then Guinan brings over two mixing bowls of chocolate and says, "You wouldn't find a better bowl of chocolate anywhere."
1: Yeah. What? What is a bowl of chocolate? <laughs> is it mousse? Is that is that the big the biggest cultural shift? That at some point in the future we move away from the bar. Clearly, the best way of serving chocolate. It's probably yeah. because of the atomic horror. Yeah. You can't get it to sat. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, that is that is a real thing. So. um if, uh so in construction which again I I know lots about um if you buy steel from pre-1945 oh, yeah. it's much more expensive because all steel after the Nagasaki and the Hiroshima
1: bombs is technically radioactive so if you uh find the shipwreck of like yeah. an old ship from like World War one yeah it's metal that's really, like, valuable historically. But it's more valuable to, like, cut it up into bits and flog the metal on for, like, medical devices. Mm. Uh, I think there were some used in the thing they zapped me with. Because, like, yeah, because mm-hmm. they, they need, like, to do, like, calibration. You need yeah. something that's not. And that's mental. It's like, have you said, like... It's like and yeah. also the
0: knife had a skeleton <laughs> and a captain's hat attached to that.
1: Oh. It's like, have you... um. Have you ever seen the thing about, like, the guy who accidentally discovered... Like, was, I say, the guy who was trying to discover how old the planet is... Yeah. ...was trying to do it, and he was like, "All oh, right, okay, what we need to do is we'll measure how much, like... So, um, like, uranium decays into lead, and we know how much, like... And we can tell how old this bit of uranium is, and if we can get some lead and work out how much lead is in the environment, we can work out how much the uranium has decayed. Yeah. And as a result of this... And trying to get an environment where there was no lead contamination, he discovered that there was shitloads of lead in the atmosphere, and that's why we don't have why we have unleaded petrol now. Because yeah. he was like, "This is incredibly dangerous." <laughs> and it's 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 there's a I think it's in Freakonomics. There's like a genuine point where you can match to the like taking lead out of the atmosphere to like a decline in right in violent crime. Yeah, because it's like yeah, it wasn't it really badly fucks your brain. Don't don't drink lead. <laughs> you
0: can, uh, they, they actually released a study a few weeks ago, and look, America is is fucking like We don't even have to make jokes about it America is making jokes about itself, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but they released a study that was that said uh, the average American IQ has gone down since the
1: nineteen eighties when they stopped having as much regulation around lead and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I, when um, I'm not saying that the Republican Party deliberately allowed more lead in the environment so that people would be easier to manipulate. What I'm saying is if that came out I wouldn't be surprised. Nah. <laughs> Maybe that's what's in the MAGA caps. Maybe they've got like a lead line. Yeah. <laughs> you sell it to him, it's like it stops brain brain control. Cause I found out recently if you like if you have like a, if you got a tinfoil hat, that would actually um, that would actually amplify the mind control rays that they think happen like it would make you more susceptible to them yeah if they existed which they don't <laughs> yeah. what yeah.
0: is what is your favorite plausible conspiracy theory uh i mean about, 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 right what is your favorite plausible conspiracy theory about something so fucking mundane that if it turned out to be true no
1: one would even be that bothered I mean, the, the, I mean let's, let's just start with the obvious one. I don't go in much for conspiracy theories, but we have to address this. Epstein didn't kill himself. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, painfully obvious. Uh, the ones that I would let me say, all of the all of mine are just real boring, like corporate shit.
0: Yeah, my favourite one is that the only reason you're not allowed to bring liquid on airplanes is because <laughs> shops after security and airports weren't making enough money. <laughs> So, Big W. Smith was inspired
1: <laughs> with the Unabomber. I I do have a genuine belief that uh, American like mass shooting events are orchestrated. This is are orchestrated by the gun industry, so that they can tell everyone that the uh, Democrats are going to take their guns away. Yeah, and then they uh, they they rush out and buy guns. And it's only I'm going to say if you are an American and you're listening to this and you're left leaning and a Democrat. Go, go buy guns because it is going to kick off soon. Yeah, and you're up against a bunch of idiots who are going to do a lot of damage to themselves. But you should still be picking off the stragglers. I'm
0: I'm, I'm, I'm trained. Yeah, like they're not as easy as they look in video games.
1: Yeah, I am spectacularly good at it. (laughs) I've gone shooting and I am great. Yeah, but that's a natural talent. It's a worrying. I'm no good with. I'm not particularly good with a pistol. But I've had a go with a sniper rifle, oh, yeah. and I'm worryingly okay with it. Because I was there doing it, and I'm laying out, and I'm lined up, and I just went, breathe in, breathe out, and release the trigger. Which is something I learned from, I think, the seventh level of Call of Duty Modern Warfare. At the point you have to crawl through Chernobyl to get into position to take down the bad guy. Which is one... Like, the Call of Duty series went off the fucking rails. But, that's one of the best fucking levels of any computer game I've ever played.
0: Modern Warfare 3 is one of some, some like only 14 Western games to get a full 40 out of 40 score in Famitsu. <laughs> so, Famitsu, for, for, for Laura's benefit. Famitsu is a Japanese gaming review magazine that is like notoriously harsh on its scores because it has four different critics review the game separately yeah. out of ten, and it adds those together. And there's some games that don't have a perfect score that you would expect it to. Like, I, don't, I don't have it to hand, but I, I believe one of Ocarina of Time or Breath of the Wild doesn't have a perfect score, yeah. but Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 does.
1: My favourite thing like that is um, when um, I think it got to the... There was a point where Edge, the, like Edge would notorious for being like, we give a 10 out of 10 very rarely, yeah. Like they gave like Halo 1 and stuff like that. And then the only... Uh, and one of my favorite things is after about, like, I think about 10 years after the initial review, they went back and was like, look, we... Fu- okay, look, we gave Resident Evil 4 a 9 out of 10. And after a decade to think about it, we were wrong. It's a 10 out of 10. And that's, like, the only time they've ever done that. But, yeah, no, I like... I, I think there's a line in... I think it was the Zero Poetration Review of the first Call of Duty where he goes, the moment where your American character dies alone and unloved thousands of miles from home, elevated this from pretty uh, mediocre gun wank into pretty fucking excellent gun wank. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I worked in game and we had a guy return Modern Warfare. Right. Because it was broken. Yeah. And we were like, well, what's it broken? And he goes, well, the character, I'm on this level and the character just dies. I was like, what, what level was that? And he goes, well, it's just after the, the nukes blown up, they're like, blown up and like knock your helicopter out the sky and I can't, there's no way of getting out of the level alive. And I just looked at him and was like, you expect your character to survive a direct hit from a nuclear weapon. Yeah. He was like, Well, okay, you su- you're, su- you're supposed to die at that moment of the game. And he was like, Well, what happens next? And he plays the other guy. The yeah. T- <laughs> you know the
0: British guy you've been playing by, uh, for half of the game? Yeah, it's
1: him. Yeah. <laughs> Those games do
0: go off the fucking rails. Um, but Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is really fun because Modern Warfare 1 is. Uh, so you. You're, you you play as both an American soldier and as an SAS type guy, yeah. And you're you're going to like a, an unnamed Eastern European country as the SAS to, to take down
1: some ultra nationalists who are backed by some right. Although like, it's like we're not going to name who it is, but they're backed by the Russians. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and as as the Americans, you go to Afghanistan.
0: Um, It goes real bad. Yeah, it is real bad. They they nuke it, the Russians nuke it. Um, But then in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, they're like, well, people really like this. And also, there's a really, really fun. If you speak to anyone about Modern Warfare 1, they're going to talk about two things. They're going to talk about three things the nuke, uh, All Gillied Up, which is the sniper rifle mission where you have to infiltrate Chernobyl, and uh, the gun at the end. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a very, it's like a heavily cinematic moment where a character like slides a gun to you and you use it to take out the bad guy, and it's super cool. Modern Warfare Two is like we're gonna dial this up to a fucking <laughs> twenty five. Uh, so, the, so uh, the so the Russians invade uh, like Midwest America, and you have to defend a Burger
1: King. <laughs> <laughs> it's also it's also got a very interesting so the opening of, of Modern Warfare 2 No Russian yeah. is you and a bunch of other Russians go and shoot up an airport and fuck it up
0: oh uh, I've, yeah but, uh, uh, Laura, I've talked to you about this in the and past it's, yeah. it's,
1: a, it's, it's something that I never expected from like a big game like that because it really actually examines the concept of choice yeah. in a video game because you don't have to shoot the civilians yeah, you could stand behind the Russians with your gun up and like shoot over the top, so they think yeah. you with them because that you're like an agent who's infiltrated, and at the end they find out that they don't know all along and they shoot you. Yeah, but yeah, you, but like those people are like, oh, you shoot up an airport and kill a bunch of people, and I was like, I, I, I didn't. Yeah, that seems like a really awful thing to do, so I decided not to. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, I know. You get I know. Oh, well, I got the cheap for uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I, I love revisiting that level and seeing how many stories I can shoot before the Russians do um,
1: it's, it's almost Stanley have you played the Stanley Parable? no so the Stanley Parable is a game and it, it oh, I can sum it up perfectly by explaining the first thing that happens you are in a cubicle you step out of your office there's no one there as a narrator and you step into a room and there's two doors and the narrator just goes Stanley went through the door to his left yeah that, that's it that's, and that's the entire thing from then on is you try it's like you versus the narrator yeah As like you can just do all mental shit um, but yeah it's like one of those things like I expect that from an indie game I don't expect like fucking like Call of Duty to be like oh no there's an achievement for not like, shooting everybody yeah anyone on the Russians level was like what, what, why, why is that then it's like why were you shooting innocent people because the bad guys told you to. Are you a fucking idiot?
0: What <laughs> was a point. They, so, World Warfare 2, uh, they, they took away sort of their own message. They were like, people really like this cinematic thing. Uh, so, there's a level that you play that's just the Nicolas Cage film, The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just the exact same plot. And then, they have to. you have to build on these things. You have to up. You have to one-up. So, so rather than you have caric- In the original game... You're in Afghanistan, and a nuke goes off, and you can walk around but well, your character is going to die, yeah, so you get to play your character's death. It's really affecting in the second one this might be the third one in the second one, um a nuke goes off in London, and you see it from the perspective of an astronaut on the international <laughs> space Station oh yeah no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. And and, and the way that you find out about it is that uh, you stop uh, shooting Russians for a bit um, and then the game just switches to the camcorder recording of an American family with a little girl having a vacation in London. (laughs) Look Daddy, it's Big Ben. What's that? Yeah.
1: Straight to Astronaut.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that little girl's dead.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's like that's what I love the most about the Call of Duty franchises. Their entire thing is like we're about the horrors of war. Yeah, it's really bad. And then you watch like the like events to promote it. It's like we're sponsored by Mountain Dew and the army. And look, there's a jeep. Yeah, Yeah. Call Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Like it has about as much
0: to do with actual warfare. Not not just as like has much to do with actual warfare as Top Gun the movie. Mm -hmm. It has as much to do with actual warfare as the music video for the song in Top
1: Gun no, but the thing is as well it has it also genuinely has as much to do with real military action as Top Gun the movie as in it's incredibly over the top it's incredibly ridiculous it's not what you would expect but yeah. it's being used as a recruitment tool by the actual yeah. army <laughs> and like
0: this isn't fucking disparaging I love those games no yeah I, yeah, I love them the, I remember playing with my friend Paul and the single player doesn't have co-op well it doesn't have co-op no, so, you play, yeah. so you have to play it alone But him and I both decided to complete it on the same night, and we were on Xbox Live, and he got stuck at a level. So I got ahead of him by about 10 minutes. Oh, right. And I got to experience the bit in the Jeep where you drive onto the plane. Oh, yeah. Um, And I was like, oh, my God, this is so good. He's like, shut up.
1: He doesn't sound like that. Um, and then I got to hear her reaction to it, and it, I, was, serious, it was quite sweet. I, I went around, like, my mate Ivan at the time called me up, was like, I've got Call of Duty. It was like, on the, It was like back very early days of PS3, I want to say. Yeah, and he yeah. had a 360, and he just got the game, and he was one of the few people I knew, and he was like, I was like, I've got Call of Duty, I'm playing the multiplayer, I haven't started the story yet, do you want to come over? I was like, yeah, yeah, alright. So I went around his house, and I think it was like a Friday night, and I ended up staying at his house until Sunday, because we just were like... Passing the control... Doing the single player... And then we got into the multiplayer... And it was like on weekend one... When yeah. no one was good at it... And it yeah. was just amazing... But yeah... That was, I love those games so much... Techni- this is a, technically a Star Trek podcast... Yeah... I
0: don't think I even
1: have anything in my notes anyway... No... Yeah... Uh... Um, oh... Uh, I've only got one... Two things... Which is one... Um, Wesley fucks off... fixing the ship... To like... pine over his girlfriend... And Geordie can't give him any shit about it... Because Geordie does that sort of shit all the time... <laughs> but also... Right. Okay. In what universe, if you need advice on how to hit on a woman, and you're on board the Enterprise, how is Riker the third person you ask? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, Riker and Guinan definitely fuck. Yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah, and and to the point where I, I get the impression that this might be a regular yeah thing. Like they probably fuck not just that now but a lot frequently. Yeah. And and Guinan's like immortal. Yeah. Uh, and can't age. But also, they were desperate to get Whoopi Goldberg back in Picard, so does age. Uh, but then they have a young then turn up, and it's not Whoopi Goldberg.
0: Yeah, even though she was Whoopi Goldberg in the Wild West. Because it yeah. Yeah, goes back in time yeah. and meets her.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. So, like, um, this is, by the way, this is one of the reasons Picard Season 2 is one of the worst things that's ever happened to Star Trek, is that in in, like, modern times is like, oh, I just... I'm supposed to be like an observer, I'm an alien, I'm not supposed to get involved in your society, but I can't just stand by why all of this horrible stuff happens. But in like the 1800s, she was hanging out with like Mark Twain and he's like, oh yeah, because there was no social injustice happening yeah. in 1800s America. <laughs> 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 Fuck you, Guy then. Uh, 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 I don't think I have anything else.
0: Um,
1: um, uh, one thing I do like is uh, the, uh, the girl Slayer is talking about She's going to rule this planet. And she says to Wesley, There's no word in your language for the position that I'll hold. It's king. Yeah. <laughs> it's king, emperor, god king. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's like, quite a lot of them. There's a lot of words. What for are su- you going to do differently? Supreme leader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, one other thing. This is a question I genuinely have because I don't, this is the first time this has happened. Um, they're in, um, Saleh and Anya are in their room and Warf. As security chief, keeps them in there by putting a force field over the door. Yeah. Do all doors have that? Well, here's well,
0: uh, this actually coincides with something that I don't which is that when they arrive, uh, Picard tells them that they are going to the quarters normally reserved for Starfleet Admiralty. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you definitely. Yeah. That. So, and the subtext to what he says is, so feel free to go absolutely mental in any way that you feel like in there. <laughs> The walls are padded. Uh, we've taken away all the sharp objects. We've put those those round things on the corners
1: of all the tables. Crack <laughs> on. Because what I'm going to say is if every door has the option for a force field, you know which door needs it. The holodeck.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: corner, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, and also uh, one of, uh, two other things I've got is Wes takes uh, Salaya on a nice day to... What I can only describe as a 90s desktop wallpaper. (laughs) Uh, And he tells her that 19% of the galaxy has been charted. Which is a weirdly specific number for something you can't... Like, you can't know how much of the galaxy you've charted until you've charted all of it. Well if you get to the middle and it goes up? (laughs) Yeah. God, there's so much space. (laughs) (laughs) They've been all the way to the middle. That's in one of the movies. Yeah. So they've been all the way to the middle. And we're... And, you, and, you, and they knew that because there
0: was a guy sitting on a rock with a, with a pole. Saying, the, saying, Shazam, my name's the wizard Shazam. Uh. Yeah. And, and, it's, and there's just a, there's, there's one sign that says uh, New York, uh, and there's one sign that says Dublin. Uh, and, and they're equidistant. That's how you know you've hit the middle of the galaxy.
1: Do you. We, how far are we? We're not. We're like well on the edge, aren't we? of the galaxy like, uh, think. like we're out on one of the spiral we arms. can see one of the
0: other spirals
1: yeah we can see one of the other arms but we're not yeah. near the middle or anything I bet that's I bet no I bet that's where it's all fun I bet it's all going off around there just no. nobody's ever checked it's a lot brighter <laughs> it's like the Corfu of the galaxy <laughs> it's like the middle is just the pyramid stage from Glastonbury which is, is oh by the way the best place I've ever seen live music like I've, I've been to a lot of festivals and I didn't think I'm, I'm now ride or die for Billie Eilish uh, oh, yeah. I saw Billie Eilish because I knew a cut like I knew Bad Guy and the Bond Song and it was it's top five gigs I've ever been to nice. um, so yeah this is now Billie Eilish Appreciation Podcast I, I think she's swell <laughs> but yeah uh, yeah, um, I, I just got to say, like Wesley is a space figure in this episode as well. Oh, big thing, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, oh, you're a shapeshifter, and then he's like, oh, you don't even like, you wouldn't even show me your real form. To, to me, it came off as the same energy as the people
0: as the people who say uh, that they wouldn't be a bisexual person. <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> Fuck yeah, it doesn't yeah. make a difference. Yeah, exactly. They're I mean- either attracted to only you, or.
1: No, no, they're not. Yeah. Like, calm down. Yeah. yeah. I, what, I, I, what have you got going for yourself, Wesley? <laughs> She's a shapeshifter. Yeah. The, the argument for why it's good to date a shapeshifter was made better than we could ever make it by Mystique in X-Men 2, <laughs> <laughs> when she accosts Wolverine in his bed. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. There's no downside to it that I can see. Um, and also, like I say, it's not that fucking weird. Yeah, there's loads of shapeshifters in Star like this, this is again this falls into the whole thing of is there not news Yeah, because there's a shapeshifter who's head of security on Deep Space Nine and like even if they're still at war with like the Cadetsians still own that at this point surely someone's like someone who's not part of the Federation has like been to Deep Space Nine because there's a bar there I've done some dealings with Quark ended up in Federation Space Nine a oh, fucking shapeshifter yeah. in charge of security you wouldn't be able to tell he always stays in the shape of a boring man but <laughs> but yeah it just, yeah it just seems like there's not a lot like like I don't I don't understand why someone being a shapeshifter somebody you've just met as well has a superpower yeah and they haven't told you immediately I wouldn't expect it yeah that's like that's like a, that's, that's a point around like the three or four month like oh, you want to get past the "I love yous," yeah, before you get to "I'm also Spider Man," yeah. Right? yeah, that's <laughs> like, what that movie's about, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Any point before that, and you're opening yourself up for like mass betrayal.
0: Yeah. Did you notice, by the way, uh, that the helmsman in this episode was quite a hot blonde? Yeah. So, do you think that was someone that one of the producers met in a bar? was <laughs> like, "Hey, baby, you come home with me? I'll get you on Star Trek." I
1: think. Both her and hot blonde—that the shapeshifter is for like one scene. Yeah. Because because that's when she turns up. There's yeah. no explanation. No. That she's a shapeshifter. she just turns up and she's talking. You're like, who the fuck is this bitch? Yeah. Was more of an entourage? Yeah. Also, when they beam off, she's like, oh, I have to change into my true form before I beam over. But she didn't have to change into her true form to oh, beam up.
0: No. That so the ex- explanation for that is that she can't appear in front of her own people
1: as anything other than her true form. But but her people know she's a shapeshifter. They're shapeshifters. I would assume. Well yeah, but it's a bit like um,
0: <laughs> it's a bit like if the Queen showed up for a Jubilee naked. We're all naked. Okay. Sometimes, but we don't expect <laughs> Big Liz to get our bats out. People would lose respect for her. I... Just after she's had that, that tube line named after her. This mm-hmm. is not the time I know her husband's dead in that and it's time to it's time to explore, but Once... if you're listening to this, Liz Once... <laughs> now is not the time. No, either.
1: Liz, what you want to do is is hit that record. We all know you're after it. We've been to the Wikipedia page. Yeah. You need to get, there's two more, I think there's like a Louis, one of the French Louis. Yeah. It was in there longer. You need like a year and a half to get past him. Once you hit that record, you're longest reigning monarch ever. Just see how much shit you can get the Daily Mail to agree with. Yeah. Like start dating a black woman. Make sure that your last words are up the rack. No, no. Make sure your last words are (laughs) alu (laughs) aqua Oh. Oh. Uh -oh. All right.
0: What?
1: Hang on. Uh, We're on like fifty-two minutes. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah. Thanks for listening. I know we didn't talk much about Star Trek, but it's it's such a nothing episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only, the one thing I would recommend checking out is is data does um, uh, a bit where he tells Wesley how to date and it's kind of funny. Yeah uh, that's it. All right yeah bye right. bye. The Captain Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neil and Eddie is at EdEdwardsComedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at CaptainSlog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash CaptainSlog.